Yo, what up? This is the Mark Rob, aka Sean Matt Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Thanos, the Titan of Typos, coming at you live. Um, me and the illustrious Cat Chinetti, aka your favorite cosplayer, favorite cosplayer, uh, formed the connection to create this podcast. Um, we chop it up and talk about movies pop culture and whatever's on our mind at the time um you know shout out to the brother eric greenley aka handsome bane aka still your girl but he's married so he really won't do that he'll just give you a lot of respect and love um you know he thought it'd be a great idea if we got together to record this episode and you know this is going to be the first of many episodes together um so you know we formed a union and we put this pod together um this pod is typically um you know a bit free-flowing conversation-esque um but again we get to a lot of topics we cover the 2020 oscars we cover movies from last year. We cover Harley Quinn. We cover the Joker. And we run the gamut. And it was a beautiful conversation. Uh, peace to my home girl. And hope you guys love it. Enjoy. But um, so are you more of a book nerd or book, book nerd? A book nerd or a movie nerd? Uh, I would say that I'm a, I'm a story nerd. Um, yeah. Like first and foremost. So whether that's a good narrative in a video game or a really good book or a good movie I don't really or even a podcast I don't really care like I want to invest in characters and people and stuff um so so your receptors are non-binary you just mm -hmm. you just look for quality okay yep yeah like I I need to I have like a shitload of books that I've read and I need to still read Mm -hmm. and I'm like really bad about reading like um uh fiction so Mm -hmm. when I when I was a kid like I never, I never really read comic books, um, mm-hmm. and for shit for school, like if it was given to me as an assignment, I barely would do it, which is yeah. really terrible. Um, but the funny thing is, I've never. It's I was sort of lucky to grow up in like the the Fox, um, not Fox News, definitely not, but like Fox Kids era, where yeah. like um, uh, Batman animated series, like mm-hmm. X Men, like all those shits are like you know, fluttering throughout the universe, corrupting my young brain cells. So I'm so, revisiting the nineties X-Men series on Disney plus right now. And it is such a joy. <laughs> like, um, I, I used to, it was so cool coming home from school and then going immediately to Fox. Like that mm-hmm. was, that was the best shit. What, um, how far have you gotten so far? I'm only about five or six episodes in. I get really bad TV burnout because I watch so many movies now. So, like, I can watch, like, two episodes, then I gotta take a break, then I can go back for a couple more. I can't really binge watch. So, like, my dad and I have been watching Watchmen, and we have been watching it probably for, like, four weeks now, where we do, like, two or three episodes a week, and then take a day off. I think that's, that's, I think binge culture is really, I think, I don't want to say really bad, but I think there are negatives about binge culture. Mm-hmm. Um I do think taking episodes in, like, and then really digesting it, thinking mm-hmm. about it, and then starting another one, it is helpful, especially for Watchmen, which I fucking loved. But I did watch it. Um, I watched it when it came out every week, so I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't binge watch it. But like a show like Game of Thrones, like 
I binge watched up until um, you finished Thrones, right? I'm a, oh yeah. So I'm uh, well. I'm the only person likes the last season, but that's neither here nor there for the story. But like, so I binge watched Thrones up until um, the best episode of Thrones ever. The um, the the the, uh, the Baylor blowing up. Yep. Uh, and so, but I, I like live watch like the last two seasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like even binge watching that show, like there was a lot of shit that I missed. Like I had to, I like rewatched that show top to bottom, like at least like from consecutive seasons. I think I watched it three times, but I watched seasons mm-hmm. multiple times beyond just that. Mm-hmm. But um. But so yeah, I like I said, I'm the only person in the history of the world I think that actually likes the last season of Thrones. So like I'm conflicted about it because I think it is okay, but I think that it is a disservice to the other seven seasons. Now, I'll be honest, I watched Game of Thrones in the weirdest way possible. I watched the first four seasons, partway through season five, uh, specifically when uh, Cersei was raped by Jamie in a scene that is consensual in the books. I kind of was like... Oh, it's consensual in the books? Mm-hmm. Ew. I was like, I gotta, I gotta step back because I do not get the sense that they understand women besides rape as a character moment. Bro... And, keep like, yes, as a woman who has grown up with a lot of fantasy and also grown up reading Game of Thrones, that, I don't, I don't like that. Especially because yeah. Sansa had been abused so much. Sansa is not the one who is raped by Ramsay in the books, either. It is someone oh, else completely that they did uh, not introduce in the show. And I was like, can we leave Sansa alone? Can we leave Cersei alone? She's a terrible person. Bro. We don't need to turn Jamie into a rapist because that made me not want him to be redeemed. Yo, um, they they that so, is like that is the biggest like problem with that show. Like they they only have an idea that women can succeed or achieve anything if they go through literal hell on earth. Like yep. like Sansa, um, Cersei. I mean, even if you think about Arya, who I fucking love, Arya literally had trauma on levels mm-hmm. that you can't, I, I don't even want to imagine. Like, she's seen, she literally saw her father she murdered. She spends a huge amount of the show pretending to be a boy to not yeah. be harassed. Yeah. Like, I understand that she's a badass and she's an amazing character, but she had to really hide her femininity and you could make the argument that she's not a feminine woman, but whatever. Like, she had to pretend to be a boy. Yeah. It wasn't even like, I'm a tomboy. It's like, no, I'm a boy. Please leave me alone. Can't you see I'm a boy? Yeah. Like, so you can either win Game of Thrones by being super not feminine. Yeah. Or by being a powerful female who is continually put through the ringer, raped, assaulted, uh, the people on your team want to sleep with you. You can't make any valid choices without men talking over you. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Like that. That that definitely is a a hurdle that they repeatedly could not clear and got the hurdle smacked in their mm-hmm. forehead. Like it's there's there's no real two ways around it. Like I'll be honest. Uh, episodes uh, seven, eight, and nine of Star Wars kind of did that a little bit too with Ray 
Um, where I feel like they were like, uh, uh, what can she do now? What can she do now? Oh, can she do the Manic Pixie Dream Girl box? Can we put her over there? And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, like, and the idea that she would go back to, like, comfort Kylo Ren when all we've seen him do is bad things at this point. Like, yeah. just because just because you have a magical Skype connection with a boy and you saw his boy titties, like, you don't owe him that. Man boobs felt, don't garner that. Right, and it felt so out of character to who Ray was in seven and eight like up until that point that it really what do you think what do you think about nine the last episode this is a safe space to say it was absolutely terrible from a pure visceral emotional standpoint i really liked it oh from a i like plot and story standpoint i wanted to stick my head through a plate glass window you know does that help you know like, the thing? Yeah, because I like I left the theater and a part of me was like the action in it was like, okay, this is the action adventure aspect is cool. Mm-hmm. But I thought about the movie and I was like, bro, this shit is kind of trash. It so. was good to see Lando. It was good to see Leia. It was good to actually give Poe Dameron a couple of genuine moments. Um I thought Chewbacca was acting his furry ass off. Like, watching him react to the news about Princess Leia or General Leia passing away was some of, I think, the most heartbreaking acting there's been in Star Wars, period. Full stop. End of sentence. Yeah. Um, I think that it has some of the best moments that Star Wars has ever had, but I don't think that that's enough. You know? Like, I, you know, just kind of talk about what we're going to be talking about later a little bit. I rewatched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark at the Arclight this week. I watched uh, Temple of Doom this week. And I uh, started just tem- uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for shits and giggles. And I really enjoy a lot of the moments in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, even though it's an absolutely terrible movie. <laughs> I um... And I'm okay with that. I absolutely revel in the part where, you know, Mutt Williams, I guess that's his kid, is like, you're a teacher? And he's like, yeah, part-time. And I'm like, <clears throat> like, I have so much fun with that, even though it's not good. Yeah. Like. Well, yeah, you can enjoy bad television and bad movies. So, like, with my, with my letterbox, there's plenty of movies that I gave two and a half stars that I like. so. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that from a visceral emotional point of view, I thought it was really good. Um, the scene with Han Solo and Ben... I really loved right after he got stabbed. Yeah. Uh, and I, I loved that scene. I saw the movie twice in theaters and I cried both times. Damn. Uh, I, shit. I wish I would have felt so. I, I liked it, but I wish I would have got overwhelmed like that. Like, well, I mean, the thing is, I know also that it was meant to be Carrie Fisher um, and they did the best that they could. And since Harrison Ford really said he didn't want to come back, it was that also mixed with the fact that Harrison Ford was willing to step in and fill that void that was left by Carrie Fisher's death when yeah. she, when he was like, I'm done. I've washed my hands of this. So I really, I appreciated that kind of synergy as well. Um, that said, fucking Raylo, man. I do oh not. My I, God. <laughs> I, I would like, I would like to return that whole, like, Think about Bro. how much more heartbreaking it would be if they hugged 
and she leaned back to look at him. Maybe they're going to kiss, maybe not. And as she's squeezing him, he's actively fading away, like, into her. And then you never know. It's ambiguous. It's weird. But they literally just died. I mean, because the funny thing is, I never even got the impression that it's from the first two movies that she was ever into him romantically like that. Oh, she definitely has an oh, no, he's hot face when he takes off the mask for the first time. Because I had to, like, explain to my boyfriend at the time that that was a real thing. Um, it also gets really <laughs> weird if you've read the extended universe novels and you know their age difference. Because he's Ooh. got, like, ten years on her. And I have dated a lot of guys who are a lot older than me. But we also have really good communication about that. And none of them ever used their Jedi powers to mind rape me. So, you know, that's handy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. How so? What is their age difference in in the uh, in, in the Last Jedi, Rey is nineteen and Kylo Ren is twenty nine. Ew, again, very not kosher. Well, okay, especially because that means she would have been seventeen in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's assume that space legality is not a thing. Uh, and that I mean, like. If there's good communication, and I'm not advocating for age gap relationships generally, but if there's good communication and everyone's on the same page, they can work. They can. Uh, uh, that that gap, this, like, I don't know. This, like, this I, relationship is not built on communication. She just started making yeah. friends, like, a year ago. Uh, you know, she was a social outcast for years and years. I, this is a total abuse of power dynamic, if nothing else, because he has just physically spoken to more people than her. Yeah, I don't. I don't think twenty nine and nineteen. Like, nah, man. Because if if like one of my well, for full disclosure, I'm I'm um I I'm thirty. I was born eighty six. I'm thirty four. Like mm-hmm. this July, if one of my like thirty year old friends were like, I'm dating a nineteen year old, mm-hmm. like I would just shake my head and walk away because I I just don't. I think from the perspective of a man trying to date that young, it's mm-hmm. typically always about like a, a power manipulation type situation. Yeah. I mean, which... I will say that I'm 22. The last person I dated was 29. Uh, and we met and didn't talk about age and hit it off really well. And it was... For me, it wasn't a big deal because the person I had dated before him was 30 turning 31. Um yeah. But we just got along, and then later it was like, oh, shit, how old are you? Like, (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I don't advocate for that, but I also haven't found anybody in my age group that I share enough cultural touchstones with, or they're up to my standards of communicating that it's ever worked out. Yeah. I mean, you said you're only 22? Yeah, I'm 22. God, Lee. So I get young. I get that a lot, but um. I also I mean, was raised alongside cousins who were older than me, about eight to ten years older than me, uh, and also my parents are now in their late sixties. So like I was born late, oh, so like I was raised on a lot of cultural touchstones that are closer to people who are about ten years older than me. Okay, yeah, because my my mom is only like twenty, like uh. I think my mom was, my mom's only like 24, 25 years older than me. So, um, so yeah, and all my cousins were like very close in age. Mm-hmm. So, 
So yeah, but my yeah. mom was forty six when I was born. Ooh, that's an achievement, boy. That's yeah, an achievement. I was the last ditch effort baby. So like, if I didn't happen, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Shout so. out to the last ditch effort babies. <laughs> yeah, uh, I ate my nine siblings in the womb. Uh, my mom's uterus was like the Thunderdome. Ten babies entered, one baby left. Uh, Holy shit. So you're I Mad Max? <laughs> I think that's why I have so much personality. Um, <laughs> you have all their personalities, literally. Yeah, I ate all nine of them. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Um, I think that's like all a kind of a part of it because like obviously everybody grew up on Star Wars, but like I don't think as many people my age grew up like watching all the Peanuts cartoons. Oh hell no! Well. Oh, so you're 24, so you were 22. born in... 22. Oh, goddamn, 22. God 1997. Damn. 97. Golly, I was... Oh, I was <laughs> doing mischievous things at, in 97. Not really, but... But no, I mean, because, like, yeah, you're... I'm, I'm of the age where I, my parents actually... I didn't grow up on, like... Um, well, I grew up eventually on Star Wars, but it wasn't until like high school, because mm-hmm. because basically they weren't even rerunning like um, episodes three, four, uh, uh, episodes four, five, and six on cable like that. Like mm-hmm. you would get a New Hope. I remember they only started rerunning New Hope on cable once um, Phantom Menace was going to come back on, mm-hmm. and I still I still remember vividly like it was a it came on Fox. Shout out to Fox again. And A New Hope came on at, like, 8 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and had, had commercial interruptions. And that was the first time I ever watched Star Wars. Well, that's, and like, that, when ABC used to do their big, like, Sunday night movies. Like, I'm sure that was, like, an event. Like, Yeah. Like, yeah, when cable television used to be an event. Um, but, but yeah, I didn't watch. So, and that was, like, um, like, 99. I didn't watch episodes, like, uh, 5 and 6 until college, which is mm-hmm. 2004. Yeah. So so yeah, my 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 path to to I guess geekdom was different than most mm-hmm. people, but I was always into movies. So my my love for like movies and like music that started from just a kid. Mm-hmm. But like my getting into like art and stuff and um, just you know different avenues like that, it was basically all like in college. So yeah. and because I was really like the first place where where. Well, one, people kind of really let you do your own shit, like, in college. Mm-hmm. And two, like, when I when I pivoted to graduating, I graduated in 2011. Mm-hmm. And I that's when I actually got into Tumblr, like, basically, like, 2010 yep. up until, like, I think Tumblr was fire up until maybe, like, I found I was getting addicted to it in different ways mm-hmm. <laughs> until like 2013 or some shit like that. And then mm-hmm. I would like dabble every now and then, but, but Tumblr was like super fucking cool in that respect. But, um, yeah. Damn man. 22 years old. So how's it feel to be young? <laughs> how's it feel to be young? Uh, I'll be honest. Trying to get an entry level job right out of college now is shit. Uh, so <laughs> I wouldn't mind being like two or three years older and like a little bit more settled in my entry level job that I haven't been promoted from because no one will retire. Uh, Bro, see, they they didn't tell us that in the nineties, man. They didn't tell us that. I feel like I missed my window a little bit. Um, So you wish you were a boomer? Is that what you're saying? Nah, I I wish (laughs) I was more firmly in camp millennial. I think because being 
I'm right in that five-year gap between Gen Z and Millennial that kind of exists. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, everyone hates me for every reason. Because they're like, oh, <laughs> you're, you're Gen Z. Oh, you're yeah, a nihilistic yeah. twat. Oh, you're a Millennial. Go cry into your avocado toast. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> avocado. Um, well, first of all, I'm over here like I got eight dollars in my account. You think I can afford avocado toast? Uh, <laughs> and like also, yeah, I am nihilistic. It's because y'all are awful. Like basically, <laughs> so like, like the thing is like in the '90s, growing up, they 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 told us like in the early '90s, they told us go to college, you can mm-hmm. be anything you want to be. Like they didn't tell us, well, there's literally going to be millions of people. Who are your age going to be trying to do the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. Your parents and your parents' friends, they're not going to want to leave their jobs. So get in where you fit in. Mm-hmm. And I, I, shit, I, my path from college has been a real shit show, man. Like I, I graduated with an education, um, education masters. Mm-hmm. I like, I taught summer school the summer I graduated. And I substituted a couple of years after I graduated. I would never got like a permanent teaching job. Like I'm in the banking industry now. So it's really about kind of getting where you fit in. Yeah. Um, well, if you want me asking, would you would you graduate with? Uh, psychology and English bachelors, uh, kind of specifically honed in two ways. Psychology, I focused on uh, like design psychology and spatial psychology. Uh, and then I also focused on uh, like interpersonal psychology, so com- communication psychology. Uh, and then with English, I just focused on like a general English degree uh, with a focus in writing. So I wanted to synthesize a communications major, but also when I grow up, I want to be an Imagineer, like the people who build Disney World. Uh, <laughs> so the spatial psychology kind of helps me with that. So I can look at things and figure out how people would react in those spaces, you know. You never so, wanted to be a doctor? No. Um, only in the, like, Doctor Who sense. Um, like, I have <laughs> I have no desire to... Like, there was a time where I was like, uh, I don't know, like, do I want to do, like, a kind of relationship counseling thing? And then I was like, nah, man. Like, I like people too much. Like, my heart is too big. Like, I would go home every day and be the saddest person because, like, I'm watching these marriages yeah. fail and I can't do anything about it. Uh, which is also why I'm struggling to get through Marriage Story. Marriage Story, it came out Bro. the day I got dumped. Oh, no. Oh, damn. I'm sorry to hear that, but, bro, that shit tricked. It was a couple parts that triggered the fuck out of me, I'll tell you mm-hmm. that much. Like, nah, man, because, like, Watching I Adam Driver hit the wall is, like, because they keep showing that in acting reels and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, stop, please. Like, yeah. Bro, oh my god, yeah. That there's a couple of there was a couple of instances where I like had flashbacks of like old mm-hmm. relationships I was in, so I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever. Give Adam Driver more jobs. Um Did you like him in Girls or did you ever watch Girls? I didn't watch Girls. I got compared to a lot of the characters in Girls and that like fundamentally oh. made me not want to watch it very much. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, well, if you say you're a nihilist, like, there's the first season of Girls was excellent, and every season after that really dissipated. I'm an but, optimistic nihilist, I would say. Like, um, well, if I you're optimistic, things, 
to be okay. Oh, well, if you're optimistic, then no, you're not like those girls. <laughs> like that, yeah. like, like that, the, the reason the show was cool because it gave you a sense of like what 20 somethings were, were like really trying to go through mm-hmm. and really processing. The only bad part about, well, not only, it's actually a big part of why that show eventually, I think, failed is because you basically had these white girls doing these things with no sort of consequences Mm -hmm. like they weren't learning they weren't learning any lessons Mm -hmm. they weren't making themselves better the people around them weren't getting any better they were basically like if they had a problem with a person they would ditch that person and then that's it then eventually everyone has to converge in the last season and none of it kind of really makes sense. So, well, that was I, isn't that kind of generally seemed to be the big takeaway from Lena Dunham's memoir was like did many things, there were no consequences. Like, I mean, and actually, I wrote about the last season of um, about the last season of Girls, and that's and I mean, if that's her commentary on what basically being like a twenty-something transitioning into the thirties are, mm-hmm. if that's her take, that's her take, but. That's really off base and really unhealthy. Like, if you're not like, this is an age where you're really learning about the real world. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. even you, you joke, like you said, like you know, you're hitting this ceiling with your job and your profession and what to do next. Like, literally every person in America is going through that same experience. So, how could so? Do you think no one is learning anything from this? Like, do you think people are just like out here living, fucking up, and then? like just going about their day like that like that like that just doesn't it doesn't really jive with reality yeah and i also remember a lot of people when the show was on were like oh my god it's super woke and like super sex positive and whatever and i like i watched the episode with uh like what whatever the, the eating ass episode and i was like this is sex positive. That yeah. it, it's acknowledging that sex happens that's not sex positive exactly the only the only way that show was sex positive was in the very beginning when they would show Lena Dunham like full frontal. Mm-hmm. And then the argument then was like, we have this woman who's not meeting conventional norms. Mm-hmm. She's naked and ca- on camera and the show fully embraced that. Mm-hmm. But then she kept doing it gratuitously every season. Yeah. And so then it pivoted from like sex positive to basically her being validate like, me an exhibitionist yeah, yeah like it's like you because like the in the last episode there's a scene where she's getting out of a tub hovering on camera and then nothing and it's like bro like you could have gave me a storyline instead of yeah. just seeing your fupa like like i saw your fupa like five years in a row i didn't learn anything now you show me your fupa <laughs> again what are we doing here yeah like no i feel that i think that's also something that happened to game of thrones as well where i was like yes we get it daenerys has titties yeah (laughs) yeah and like even amelia clark was like yeah i I know yeah anything else i kind of felt looking like i don't think i really acknowledged this when i first watched the show but looking like rewatching season one i kind of felt bad that she was just on camera camera just like full frontal and then, then she kind of looked like a weakling like they like she looked yeah. not a weakling but like yeah like they I took mean, all her agency away vulnerable. yeah like, like she, show or in the in the books and i hate to keep bringing it back to that but like i do think that this is important right in the books she's 14 which oof. is bad uh oof. 
so that also makes the fact that they're showing her naked bad, but they aged her up and they made a point of saying that. So, okay, fine. Um, so we're seeing this fresh 18 year old who in the books, she makes the decision to sleep with Khal Drogo. Now, technically like you could make semantical arguments there about that age difference, whatever. Great. Fine. But like, it's still her choice. She still asserts agency there. Um, and he respects that. Um, so like it makes Drogo look significantly worse. Uh, because like, I thought the whole point was that, you know, uh, Germ, George R. R. Martin was taking the <laughs> like Savage's narrative and kind of opening it a little bit, you know? So we see that like, oh, they didn't just take this white girl and use her. Like, you know, like that white man narrative that people have always perpetuated and is bullshit. You know, like he listened to her, he respected her, he treated her like his queen. And like, that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And it, it makes it way less Stockholm syndrome-y. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, ne- I was never into her, her plot in the show. Like, I, it was like, I think it's one thing in the Halo on Daenerys, but it's another thing to not really like, to see like the whole story with her and Drogo and then how, you know, he's basically raping her then all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that they have an equal marriage. Like that's, that was kind of a stretch that I, I never bought into. Um, yep. And from there, well, like... Yeah. Well, scene in the book where her handmaiden, who I never remember the name of, and I always feel bad because I really like her in the book, like, literally is like, all right, this is what sex is like, and I will be honest with you, it is going to hurt, and, like, it is going to be these things, and, like, but this person will respect you, and, like, here is how to use Dothraki language to experience, like, whatever, right? Like, she's... It's very matter-of-fact... So, like, by the time she makes that choice, it's an informed choice. Yeah. And here, like, in in that first season, like, there's no, there's no real information. There's, like, she, she pivots to using her sexuality to have a quasi-equal looking marriage. But it's like, bro, like, I feel like, if anything, like, she only did it for her survival, not because she was in love with this guy. And so it's like... It, it just felt super dirty. And then that makes when she's, like, mourning him later feel super disingenuous and very it, opportunistic. Mega. And I yes. totally understand why the rest of the Dothraki would be like, this bitch, really? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Uh, I, in case you can't tell, I've got a lot of opinions about gender politics. Uh, I mean, you're, you're a woman in America. You should. <laughs> well, what? Everyone should. But, like, it's important that women, you know, voice those opinions. So yeah. Definitely do um, that. And that's, like, also a huge part of the reason. And if we want to maybe try and pivot towards what we're doing tonight for for pod pod official purposes, yes. uh, that is part of the reason that I liked Birds of Prey so much. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've been reading Harley Quinn comics since the New 52 started. Uh I've read older stuff as well, but New 52 is where I started, like, following, like, every issue. Um, and I I love them. I know a lot of people have issues with them. A lot of those people are men. Uh, but... Say it. Say it. <laughs> a lot of the people who don't like the New 52 don't like it uh, because 
Harley is no longer connected to the Joker and it's her dealing with leaving an abusive partner. And a lot of the men that I know who think of Harley as an ideal don't like her as a liberated figure. They only like her as, you know, kind of the shadow of the Joker. So a lot of the men in my... I won't even say in my life. Uh, let's let's go. I'll go one further. A lot of the men on the internet uh, don't like the New Fifty Two because it grants Harley Quinn this newfounded agency. Yeah. Um. But that is why I liked it, because you see through the comic that Harley Quinn isn't super evil. Actually, she's kind of chaotic neutral, and she is trying her best. And she's trying to exist in a world post-Joker that is a world that she doesn't really understand because she has never been in a world post-Joker as Harley Quinn. She's only ever been in a world separate from the Joker as Harleen Quinzel, and Harleen isn't there anymore. So, it's weird. It's real weird. Uh, and it's, it's about her kind of coming to terms with her weirdness and building her squad. That is the aspect of this movie that I absolutely adored uh, because I felt that that was really real. Yeah. Uh, you know, she goes out and she gets too drunk and she, you know, tells some stranger at the bar that she just got dumped and this guy comes and is being real scutsy, which we'll come back to that because I have some <laughs> thoughts. Uh, no, but, you know, keep, like, keep going. Keep going now. Yeah. That. Like. Okay. The, my biggest. I had a couple problems with this movie, and but one of them was absolutely like. We get it. Men are predatory. We yeah. don't need two separate scenes of men trying to rape Harley Quinn and a separate scene of Roman Sionis cutting a dress off of a woman. Yeah, that shit was kind of tough. And by kind of, I mean very tough. And I yeah. understand that Roman Sionis in this movie, and listen, nerd boys, I read comics, okay? I know this isn't the black mask you dreamed of being when you were little. The fact that you dreamed of being a villain at all, frankly, is a little upsetting to me. But, you know, listen, I'm an equal <laughs> opportunist asshole, so, like, fuck it. If that's your dream, go go do it. I'm not your mom. Uh, that said, um, the changes they made, I think, are justified because it is Harley Quinn telling the story. Yeah. So, of course, she's going to paint Roman Sionis in the way that she sees Roman Sionis. Yeah. You know? So, of course, in Harley Quinn's mind where everything is big and colorful, so will he. So will Victor Zaz. And, like, doesn't have to be the version you like because every time DC tries to do the version you like, we get Justice League. Boy, we don't need another Justice League. You know, or we get Batman versus Superman. And I know, I know, the director's cut is fine. No, it fucking isn't. Like, (laughs) no director's cut is going to save that fucking movie. Like, let's just be very honest. And the thing that makes me so sad, there are a couple things that make me sad about Zack Snyder. One is when I think he's doing a closer adaptation, he's really good. I really like Watchmen. I know it makes a lot of changes, but, like, I think he does a good job with it. I feel very similar about... What's that fucking movie? Uh, it's with Baby Doll in it and Sucker Punch. Not a great movie, but it's a good adaptation visually 
and whatever, right? And like, yeah, I understand. It's super deep and I just don't understand. And like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. But I may just be a humble woman, but, uh, you know, <laughs> really, Queen? So I liked this kind of elevation of the the kind of traditional comic book movie into a Harley Quinn story. Um, you know, and I think that that was really like the bright colors existed. And I thought that was, you know, kind of good after Suicide Squad, especially. I kind of like that they continued the visual language of pausing for a second and telling you someone's name and their grievance. Like, I liked that because it felt like it was saying like, listen, we know Suicide Squad happened. <laughs> We're not going to pretend it didn't happen, but this is how it is now with Harley Quinn, just Harley Quinn. You know, so there are some of the visual hallmarks that still exist, but in a way that feels more about her. Um, I also like that it it's not afraid of bright colors. Thank you, Aquaman, for breaking <laughs> it, down that barrier. Because, like, yeah, God. Yeah, I, I never, for full disclosure, I've never watched Aquaman, but even the trailers, like, you, you know, like, they were making a, a real case to say we're getting away from the super grungy and dark Justice League and Batman and Batfleck shit that we were doing. Yeah. We're going to try to brighten this shit up. And, and so Aqu did Wonder Woman, but I really feel like Aquaman was like... No, Aquaman was definitely the one where they were like, we got to liven this shit up. Mm -hmm. In this movie, uh, Harley Quinn movie, Birds of Prey, like, they were not afraid to play in the Crayola. Like, they were getting it in, so... No, and how bright, like, even uh, Cassie Kane's cast was, was so, like... <laughs> like that shit's bright pink like if it was you know directed or at least you know kind of produced by the previous dceu team i feel like it would have been maybe like a dark blue or a gray <laughs> like it wouldn't have been anything interesting yeah. Um, yeah. and i also feel like that really allowed like harley's wardrobe to shine i love the idea that she you know you can see that she's dressing in a way that is still very sexual, but is defining her own sexuality. It's not yeah. a male-defined sexuality. Yeah, which is such a nice change. The um that the 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 blazer she had on at the very end that was that was pretty fucking gnarly. That blazer yeah. was really good. Well, I even love the scene uh, when she's in in Sionis's club. Where she's got the bralette with the stars and uh, the like thing over it, like the caftan looking thing over it, and she's got her hair up <laughs> on her head and she's got the fucked up eyebrows, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> that to me looks like something. If Harley Quinn had to go buy a new wardrobe, yeah, <laughs> like that, I could see that. You know, I can I can see people for Halloween, to, not even Halloween, maybe just around like. The, uh, the crop top with, like, Harley fucking Quinn. Like, I can totally see people rocking that. Fuck, I rock that. I'm not oh, even gonna dude, lie. I, I rock that. I, I really want to cosplay, like, I'd say most of the outfits in this movie. Um, Ooh, hold on. You, hold on. So, well, do you have one, like, in particular that you want, or are you wrestling with a, with a couple? So, my, my first thought is that the jacket with the fringe, the clear jacket... Uh, with the big sleeves. Uh, yeah. It's Michelle Lubresti. She does amazing stuff. Check her out on Instagram if you liked the costume design for this movie because she did a lot of it. 
um, that jacket and the Harley fucking Quinn is the same base outfit, just with a different top over it. Okay. So literally she's wearing the pink sports bra and the suspenders and the shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just with the jacket or the t-shirt. So I think depending on the convention or the event, like that would be a really nice way to do like a slightly more casual and then like a slightly more dressed up version with only having to buy like two additional pieces. Have you, um, have you cosplayed Harley before? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've cosplayed New 52 Harley Quinn. I've cosplayed uh, Batman the Animated Series without the cowl, just the pigtails. Uh, And I've also done the holiday version of the New 52 Harley Quinn. Um, I prefer the red and black pigtails or red and black cowl aesthetically. Um, I also really felt like Suicide Squad Harley Quinn was done to death. Uh, I also just (laughs) never had any desire for that. I don't know if you've ever worn sequins up on your cooch, but they're not great. Um, My cooch is not touch sequins, girl. Yeah, so it just was not appealing to me at all um, from a comfort perspective or an aesthetic perspective. Uh, So these ones, I think, are a little more me. Like that fringe jacket, if I could get that in like purple, black, and green, like I would just wear that. (laughs) So... I'm much more inclined to play with the costumes in this movie. Although overall, like eventually I would like to do more, you know, new 52 comic Harley variants. I think that this would be super fun. Um, And also a little bit easier. Like I can go to hot topic (laughs) and get those shorts. I don't have to make them myself. I mean, you could, I mean, you could shred them and make, even like um uh like um goodwill places mm-hmm. like get booty short and shred them yeah yeah no and i mean like that's the thing that's kind of nice about it is i like that diy aesthetic that it's got yeah. a yeah. lot um i think that really makes it again feel like harley quinn's movie oh yeah like that's like if anything like regardless of people's opinions on it like this is definitely like a movie that you can really tell that we're going to craft it everything around like her personality, um, like everything like grandiose, like colorful, violent, like mm-hmm. with a sense of humor. Like it's, it's all there. Like it's yeah. all there. Um, well, I tell do... me... hmm? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, tell me what it's sort of like to tell me like what it's like to like be a cosplayer because I I've never I never cosplayed and I've actually never really gone to like even like in a like a comic con type of mm-hmm. thing before. like I've never I've never been against it but I've never just had the opportunity yeah. to go so like what's like the whole process like 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 what's like the atmosphere like how like how's the whole scene there so it, I think it's gotten a lot better but it's still kind of nasty Ooh. uh there's a reason that I carry around like a staff or my five foot tall Harley Quinn mallet or like other pieces when I cosplay, because if I end up alone, like people get weird. Um, I found that I've been well, actually a lot. Like a lot. Um, I used to do Anna from frozen and I had the white stripe in her hair in the back. I did the the ball gown version, so I had the updo. 
And uh, the white was in there, but I didn't do it like a big skunk stripe. Like, I didn't want it to look cartoony. I wanted it to look natural. And the number of men that I got, like, well, actually, she's got white in the back of her hair. And I'm like, it's in there. It's just in a bun. So you can't see it consistently. Sorry. Uh, Harley Quinn, though, one of the things that I kind of appreciated about Birds of Prey, and listen, I don't think this is okay, but I do think that it is a thing that happens as someone who dresses up as Harley Quinn a lot. People love to harass Harley Quinn. I don't know if it's because they see her as subservient or because pretty much everyone, it seems like, has had a crush on her or fantasized about being the Joker or the person she leaves the Joker for. But I feel like a lot of men feel very entitled to her. Yeah. And, like, I've had a couple Poison Ivies who are, like, a little too grabby in a photo shoot scenario. But it's never malicious there. That's just, like, I really like this ship and I really like these characters. And, like, that I kind of understand a little bit more. Um, Especially because if you kind of say, like, hey, like, chill. Like, then people chill. Girls always chill. But, like, you know, I do the voice. I do all the mannerisms. But, like, that doesn't – I really like the play part of cosplay. But that doesn't mean that I'm Harley Quinn, that I'm into you, that, you know, this is this is happening. Yeah. You know, it, it, it doesn't. Um, and I, I do feel, even though I thought it was a bit gratuitous, kind of seen. Because, like, I've been harassed dressed as Harley a lot. Fuck. probably more than any other character i took a year off from doing her at one point because i was just fucking tired like shit are there yeah. no are there no like women only cosplay like conventions out there in america at all there aren't that i've there's like a couple small ones so like ladies con up in boston is one that's really good uh, there's also a lot of spaces i would say more so now in convention areas that are like where people take you seriously. Yeah. But like, I was dressed as Dr. Frankenfurter at an event last year. Uh, you know, similar vein, but not the same. Uh, but you know, big makeup, limited pants, the whole situation. Uh, and I had a joker come up to me and he's hitting on me a lot. And I was being nice, but making it very clear that like, I am not engaging in a scene with you. Like I am not listening to your flirtation. Like this is not happening. Yeah. And he, like, got very handsy out of nowhere. And I said to Con Security, like, they literally were watching. And I was like, you're going to fucking do anything about this? And they didn't. Jesus Christ. Um, You know, but that's not all staffs at events. This event apparently has gotten a lot better. And I'm so happy for them. But I'm also not going to give them my money. Uh, yeah, don't. <laughs> don't. Yeah. And, like, I know a lot of people in the cosplay community have taken a stand against stuff like this happening to people. But, like, if it's not a regular, it's really hard to police that, you know? Yeah, because I know know Eric, um, shout out to our guy, Handsome Bane, he, um, you know, he developed that um, that safe zone, the safe place. And so I thought that was, well, one, I was very proud of my friend for thinking of that. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, Jesus Christ, why does my friend have to think of this invention to do? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. It was, I, it was a really cool idea. And I know that 
it was really poorly advertised and it wasn't given a prime location. And that was really unfortunate because like if someone was harassing you, you would have to walk like 30 minutes to get Jesus. Like, well, so the Heinz convention center is big. Um, you know, you'd have to walk a sizable distance just to get like to a place where like people wouldn't bother you. And that was like kind of annoying. Um, and I feel like it was really hindered by that. It also wasn't present in the program or on the app. So it's kind of like. <sighs> who who knows about it, really? Yeah, like we all pushed on our socials so people would know it was there. But like, yeah, if you happen, if you didn't happen to follow our subsection of social media, then how are you going to know? Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of awkward. Uh, but it was a, it's a good idea, and I hope that it is embraced more widely throughout con scenes and con spaces. Um, you know, obviously, I understand it. Like Dragon Con, for instance, which takes place over five hotels and a separate convention center, that's really hard to facilitate. Yeah, I mean, but fuck, someone's got to take that first step, man. Like yeah. someone's got to be the, the 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 one to say, we we hear women, we see women getting harassed. We're not gonna take this shit. Like if we mm-hmm. catch you, you're getting banned. No matter no matter how many days you pop, like paid for, like we're mm-hmm. gonna revoke your ticket. Like like someone's gonna have to be the first one to like really tell these these fuck sticks to chill. So yeah, and I mean honestly, like I think I'm pretty lucky because like I'm not like mega hot. Like I'm very attainably hot. <laughs> like if I if I were like internet hot. I think I would probably be bothered even more. Uh, I'm sure you do well for yourself. Sans I'm, harassment. I'm not, I'm, sans not, harassment. I'm not fishing. I'm genuinely not. But like if I had more followers on internet, like on, online, then like I know more people would be like, wait, like I want to, I want to talk to her. I feel entitled to part of her or part of her time. Yeah. You know, so I am I am kind of grateful that I am a little more under the radar as those things go. Um cuz like I don't I don't know how some people do it. I don't you know like I don't I I genuinely have no idea. Um yeah. You know, and also I do think like I said it's gotten better, but people especially with Harley Quinn like I'm not the character you're not the Joker. I'm not <laughs> in love with you. You know, I'm yeah. I'm not freshly emancipated Harley Quinn who's in love with you because you're the Joker or not the Joker. You know, I'm not. Sorry. Like. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how I felt after Joker came out as well, where I was like, listen. Like, if you saw the Joker on the street... He is not going to feel like you understand him. He's not going to ask you to join his posse. He's not going <laughs> to take over the mantle someday. You know? What you, is... would you think about that movie, though? A great remake of Equal Parts Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy. You know it was great, though? N- no. <laughs> like... <laughs> It was a really good, like, pastiche, I guess. But, like, 
Taxi Driver and King of Comedy both exist. Why do I need to watch a movie that's ripping them off with clown makeup? I don't. And and terrible dancing at that. Yeah, and my other thing is, like, I feel like they're really trying to, like, make a statement about certain things, but they don't, and they just kind of use it as window dressing. You know, it's kind of like if you see a model of the Grand Canyon, and it's like, look at how deep it is, and it's like, no. (laughs) There is a real Grand Canyon, and that is deeper. Like, this, this is, like you know, one 172nd of how deep we could get. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I think the first part of the movie is really effective, like how you can how they can like have a movie that really talks about how like how we treat people who are, you know, you know, quote unquote unnormal like how yeah. like how we like how like how society treats homeless people like mm-hmm. how we treat people who are quote unquote like mentally disturbed in public spaces like mm-hmm. i think the movie was like really effective in that sort of way and how you know we push these people to the side but then as soon as he turned to the joker and you know the fantasy about him boning zazzy beats and everything beyond that like I think that was very, very not good. And yes. I think it's really strange how they played down his, I, they played down his violence towards women to not make it seem like he's a fucking psychopath. Like if you notice in the movie, like he only kills men on screen. Yes. But well, he kills really... his mother. Oh well, yeah, her too. But she's also an abusive crone. Like yeah. she. So he has an excuse for her, she but... also has her breathing tubes in. So I don't know how he smothered her. <laughs> I have been thinking about this since late September, and I still don't have an answer. <laughs> the tube was compressed. They I've been on WikiHow, and apparently that... But, like, he doesn't have enough hands to do that while also pressing on the pillow, unless he has, like, Hagrid hands. When, when the pillow's on her face... She bites down, and that part of that tube I, is pinched. I, I, I solved your problem already. Thank you. But <laughs> thank you for being a better WikiHow than WikiHow. I How to murder best. your mother on breathing tubes? I mean, please don't put me on a watch list. I'm writing for a. I'm writing a film review. <laughs> uh, I, I feel that Todd Phillips thinks he has a lot to say, but didn't have a good end point. Um, I feel like he tried really hard to make Joker empathetic, which I did not like. I was fine with Arthur Fleck being empathetic, but once that flip switch was flipped, it needed to stop. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. I also am a little bit mad because I think it has some of my favorite needle drops and use of didactic music. You know, that I've seen in a while. So, like, the whole scene with White Room and the way that that is scored, I love. Like, but I also hate that last scene because it's not <laughs> good and it glorifies some horrifying shit. But the way it's scored is kind of excellent. <laughs> and I, think like, that, I think there's a lot of people, like, when, when the woman won the, um, the Academy Award, yeah. I feel like a lot of people were basically had that sort of same sentiment. Yeah, 
I also think, like, listen, it was a pretty rough night for women last night, so I'll let her take that. Like, <laughs> listen, I also know that, like, I didn't need that cello telling me how to feel the whole time, but, like, great. Glad glad you got something, immigrant woman. Like, <laughs> you go. Uh, so, yeah. I also feel that it... I couldn't tell and I still can't tell who this movie is for. Oh, white men. What straight white men. But like neck beardy straight white men. Like it's the the white it's 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 an incel it's, movie, okay? Yeah, but like it's, it's the only nice, thing that it's is holding nice it back. It's the a nice only last movie. The only thing that's holding it back from being a complete incel movie though is the fact that Joaquin Phoenix has gone so hard liberal like basically liberal joker on the award circuit that it's really hard to make it an incel movie now yeah i i think i think the pivot was super conscious by him to do that because i think he i think he is smart enough to know that when he made the movie it was one thing and the oscar buzz or whatever but then once it came out and people were like bro like get these fucking incels off my TL with saying yeah. this movie is the greatest thing ever. I think he realized, like, we didn't really accomplish what I thought we actually did. And yeah. so he did the pivot. And I um, think that was a smart choice. I also think he did a really excellent job acting. Yeah, no, he, he, he deserved it. Especially deserved. considering some of the lines in that fucking script. Um, well, I don't know he deserved it. I got another actor, but he, for when he got nominated, I knew he was going to win. Right, but like, especially considering, again, some of those lines, and he somehow delivered them in a way that felt authentic. I mean, they still felt very on the nose, a lot of them, but like, at least I was like, he thinks this is very profound. Oh, yeah, he, like, I think that, I think you can definitely criticize, you know, the movie itself but if you're looking at just the skill of acting like he he had that mm-hmm. you know in spades so i don't think that aspect can really be like can really be questioned honestly yeah no and uh i i read part of the screenplay like some someone i think it was in the screen actors guild uh but i'm not sure might have been like the writers association leaked it Oh my god. It's so painful to read. I've heard that too. <laughs> like, I heard that too. I was like, if that wins best adapted screenplay, I'm walking out. Like, I don't care about the ballot. Like, I don't I don't care. Like, I think it had to be nominated because it was not like the film itself was nominated for so many other things. Yeah. And I I get that. But like if it had won. And, like, I know there's a lot of – I don't want to say a lot, but there's some contention around Jojo Rabbit. And, frankly, I don't feel informed enough to tackle all of it. Yeah, um, I never watched it. I never watched it. It's really good, I think. Um, I have some friends who are Jewish who really love it. I have some friends who are Jewish that are like, this is clearly a sympathy play for Nazis. Ooh, uh, which, damn. But the fact that it is so <laughs> 50-50, I'm not sure <laughs> – Holy shit. I'm not sure who's right. Uh, 
The only suggestion I can make is Bob Chipman has a really good, the big picture, the movie Bob on Escapist has a good big picture about uh, like Hitler satire and stuff like that that's existed in the past and how it relates to Jojo Rabbit. And then Lindsay Ellis has a really great video about parody and Mel Brooks uh, and why his version of Nazi satire is appropriate or not. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I have been informing my criticism off of. You know, as soon as you said Mel Brooks fucking blazing saddles, like, so I, I was dating, I was dating a woman and this was in like 2014 or Mm. 2015 and she, she was a white woman and she was like, oh, you never seen blazing saddles before. It's so funny. And I watched that movie. I did not have a single chuckle Mm. in that whole motherfucking movie. So, like, watching, like, these different white people, even understanding as a satire, like, watching these different white people slain around the N-word, like, yeah. it's not a style. Like, that shit was not funny to me at all. Yep. Um, and the funny thing, like, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't even upset that my girlfriend thought it was funny. It was just, like, this shit is just not for me. Yeah. So, even I mean, the, there's some yeah. really interesting writing that he's done about kind of where the line is for that movie you know and obviously that whole article is a product of the times the movie is a product of the times but also of the times it's satirizing and also that people are fucking terrible um (laughs) and like i i don't particularly care for blazing saddles if i were to look at a mel brooks movie that i think is a better examination of like parody of bias I think I would probably say the producers and its examination of springtime for Hitler or even young Frankenstein and its examination of what is a monster. Um, But I have a lot of issues with young Frankenstein, especially the fact that one of the, like the woman in the movie forgets that she is literally fucking a dead corpse when she sees the size of his von Stucker. So like, that's a thing that you have to kind of take with a grain of salt because it's, Whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I never liked the Hangover movies. I don't think Todd Phillips is funny. <laughs> I don't think... Season, I don't think that Joker did anything new with the character that... Um, that freaking Heath Ledger didn't do better. Yeah, like, it, 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 it didn't have anything deep to say about, like, nihilism. It didn't have anything really deep to say about... Even just like mental illness and how like we can break stereotypes of that, mm-hmm. or it, it didn't have anything deep to say about literally anything. Did you and... notice the hold for laughter in the soundtrack after she says, uh, "Arthur, you're on eight medications. Surely one of them must be doing something." There's a oh, hold no. for oh, laughter no. in the soundtrack. <laughs> God damn, I did not notice that. Now, I only watched Joker once. I watched Joker once, and that was. More than enough for me. So. I'm probably I'll probably revisit it in a couple years once all the hype has died down, including my own like anti hype, and just see if it was as good or as bad or as indifferent as everybody said it was. Because part of me thinks that this movie is a moment in time movie. Because yeah, there's you is. can you can feel so much that Todd Phillips is trying to allude to something about Trump maybe, but like he doesn't. <laughs> 
He tried to make trying Bruce to allude to things Trump. about oligarchy, maybe, but he doesn't. And like yeah. he keeps introducing all these ideas and then just being like, what a concept, right? But like never does anything with them, and he doesn't deserve a pat on the back for noticing things that happen. Yeah, he, he tried to make Thomas Wayne Trump. Like, that was so fucking confusing. Also, I don't know if it's meant to be Alfred in that scene where he literally, like, is harassing Arthur and then Arthur just, like, pulls... I don't know if that's meant to be Alfred or just, like, other Butler Von Butler. No, no, that's Alfred. But, like, how dare you? Alfred is the only good thing in fucking Bruce Wayne's life. He has consistently been the only good thing in the DCEU. I'm looking at you, Jeremy Irons. Oh, Jeremy uh, Irons, yeah. Jeremy, yeah, yeah. What, that line that he has in Justice League where he's like, Dear Diana, would you like to go out with me? Check yes or no. This is the only <laughs> line that I laughed at in that entire fucking movie, except when Jason Momoa sat on the lasso of truth. There were two moments. That movie is two hours long. Uh, <laughs> two hours too long. How dare you? <laughs> like, how dare you do a disservice to a character that has always had complicated parts to him, but has never been bad. And I understand that this is meant to be a look of like, oh, see, literally anybody will treat somebody shitty. Like, but no, you you didn't earn that, Todd Phillips. You didn't <laughs> earn that. Yeah, I, I was so happy he he did not win. Like the Joker only won score and it only won um, best actor. Best actor. Like, it didn't win a single thing else, and I was very happy about that. Yeah. Like, but pivoting so, to the Oscars. Yeah, oh. let's, let's pivot. Oh, my God. The Oscars, so, the, o- the only fair, time they never sucked. Fair, fair disclosure, I have not seen Parasite yet. I have you, been waiting for them to release it in the black and white. Because, no, see it color first. You got to okay. see it color first. Like... Um, I'm planning on going later this week. I just, I missed the screener for it and it was such a like pain in the ass to see it until A24 was suddenly like, see it! And then it was like, and like, it's, yeah. It's the only, it's the only Best Picture nominee I didn't see. I watched half of Marriage Story, but then I had to stop. Uh, And I watched... It's not the best movie of the year. You're good with that. You're fine. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see Parasite, but I haven't seen it yet. I was also rooting for Parasite. Because I figured, you know what, if it's going to be a shitty night for women, which it was, let's make it the best <laughs> night ever for non-American filmmakers. Yeah, it was, I I was, I caught it. So basically, I, well, I live in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I caught it, like, um, in October, like a full, like, month and a half or two months before it actually even came here because, mm-hmm. you know, thank God for Al Gore's internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but, no, like, that, bro, like, that movie was so fucking good. Like, I, because I, I tweeted, you know, like, I, well, one, I'm I'm borderline OCD probably, and so I make lists of everything, or I want to make lists of everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the father, Kim, He's actually, I picked him as, like, my favorite lead actor of the year. Yeah, I saw uh, that. I had Parasite as best cast, and I had Parasite as best film. Mm-hmm. And it it's it's great. Like, it is really, it deserved it. It was, like, other than Moonlight winning, I can't think of a more appropriate movie of the last, like, five or so years 
that deserved best film. Like it was, it was really, it was a really good ass movie. And do not read. I don't know if, how much you read on Parasite yet or not. Like, Nothing. Don't, yeah, don't read anything on it. Don't read like a fucking thing about it. Read is good, and then keep it moving. But it's it's really good. Like don't spoil yourself at all. Like it's a really good fucking movie. Yeah, I've very specifically tried not to read anything about it because I I didn't care to. Um, yeah. And I was also super excited that it won. Um, I'm trying to think if there. I think for me, honestly, the last movie I was super excited about winning uh, was probably Argo. Um, I really loved Argo. Has Argo aged well? I haven't watched it. We should revisit it for one of our next episodes. Um, I, I watched it like um. And I was really like excited about Birdman. But I I have realized that Birdman may not be a good movie, but I do think it did a lot for storytelling that year. And I think it deserved to win because of that. Um, But it also was up against one of my favorite movies of all time, The Grand Budapest Hotel, um, (laughs) which... uh, I, I love me a good candy colored film with a high body count. So uh, I was pretty, pretty <laughs> pleased about that. Uh, even though it didn't win, uh, I was just pleased it was nominated. And I, I thought it, I think that film has held up perfectly. Would you, what do you think about Knives Out? I really well, liked it. Was Knives Out nominated? I don't remember no, if it was. It was nominated oh. for Best Original Screenplay. Oh, boo. Um, I think, I think it was excellent. Um, I yeah. really enjoyed it. I also know that comedies are a hard sell for the Academy. Um, so I knew why? that. Why? Fucking why? I, dude, I think that Daniel Craig should have been nominated for Best Supporting for this movie. Oh, he was fucking great. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I, I, to me, that was the biggest, like, upset, just even before it started, was Greta Gerwig didn't get a Best Director nomination, and uh, that... Uh, Knives Out was robbed, in my opinion. Um, but also, I was—I think Dern is great. I loved her so much in Marriage Story. I wish I could give Florence Pugh an Oscar as well. Um, I really feel like they nominated her for Little Women because she is excellent in Little Women, but also because they did not give it to her for Midsummer. Um which oh, Midsummer is a tough ass movie, man. It is a tough ass movie, but her performance is so consistently excellent that like even if you only watch the first half or I have a lot of friends who just watched the last scene, like you can see her narrative even if you don't watch the whole thing. And like I think that's very powerful. No, she's um, super talented. Like that mo- that movie is tough, but she you can tell like she has talent. I feel like she's going to be, like, one of those people who wins, like, three Oscars by the time they're 35. And we're all going to have no idea what to do with her. Like, (laughs) I mean, but a fair question, do we know what to do with women in Hollywood now as it is? I mean, unless you're Meryl Streep, no. Yeah. Like, we know what to do with Meryl Streep. We kind of know what to do with Margot Robbie, which I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I'm, I'm like, the most sorry. She should have been nominated for Sharon Tate, not Bombshell. She should have been nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm not very, Bombshell. It makes me happy she, to hear you like that performance as well. 
because then she probably would have won. Yeah. Um. And uh, like I said, I think Dern is great. I think Florence Pugh is great. I think that performance. I know what Margot Robbie looks like. I've seen her in a lot of movies. That was a transformation. And it wasn't makeup. It wasn't any. It was just. She so well embodied the effervescence of Sharon Tate. And yeah, like, it was like the the whole like um. The, I can't even I can't even imagine being like a young actor like getting out the gate and all of a sudden you're going to the movie to see your shit and like you're telling people no that's me on the poster like that's fucking me like I would. I, my my ego would be ballooned the size of like Massachusetts. Yeah. So so she she handled that like I would I hope every starlet would handle that. So mm-hmm. no, nah, like she was. And I also feel empty. that that's probably very similar to how her experience was, because like her first real big movie, she was literally in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fucking Wall Street. That one was fucking gnarly too. <laughs> that, I I yeah. I think it's really good. I don't think it holds up. I caught it on like uh, HBO Ooh. or FX or something, not all that long ago, I and I was just a like, years. I just forgot like how much of this movie is like white man does drugs, comma oh, yeah. limited consequences, <laughs> period. Like, and like I understand that this guy's like turned his life around and is like an inspirational speaker now, but like. Fucking hell. They also make him doing the drugs and having limited consequences look real, real good. Which, like, I I don't know. Anyway, so, yeah, Yeah. um, I was glad Knives Out. I I was glad Knives Out got best original should have gotten production design. I was furious it did not get production design. I I don't think anyone was going to be. Hollywood, once upon a time in Hollywood, but it should have been nominated. That's all I'm saying. Because it's, it was really the only original movie this year, one of the only original movies this year, that did well at all, besides Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't, other than like, um, you know, the comic book movie shit, like, there wasn't, um, very many that did like super numbers like booksmart like booksmart didn't do any fucking numbers which i was like i was really surprised but that didn't make very much money at all no. and like i'm trying to think even like jojo rabbit did okay but like a lot of people didn't see it and i understand that and that's valid yeah. uh you know considering that what 48 percent of the voters last year or last election voted for fucking nazi so whatever Ooh, <laughs> hot takes um, at cat k-a-t underscore chinetti c-h-i-n-e-t-t-i if you want to throw down in my dms let's go um like i don't fuck it i don't care uh so <laughs> i think th- that the oscars did the best it could with the box it painted itself into uh, i really liked that they include acting real montages now as well as, like, visualizing of best screenplay. I really liked that. I thought that was very nice. Um, 
I thought that the in memoriam section was. I mean, it's the in memoriam section, but I don't know. They breeze through that shit. Like I, no, I, I don't think anyone was up there more than five seconds. Like not a single person. Nice, nice. Uh, I like that they picked a song, and they were like, "This is what we got for time. We're gonna do this really Damn. nice song, and we're gonna make it feel." Auth- I thought it felt authentic and not like an, a quick ego stroke for the people who were alive remembering them for the first time in a while. I don't know, man, because because like even so, like for example, I I completely forgot John Singleton passed away, mm-hmm. and then to see him on screen, it's like fuck, like this is someone who I grew up watching. His death had an effect on me, and my my fucking ass, I just I haven't thought about his passing in a while. I saw him on screen, and then he's gone in three seconds, and I don't really have time to process. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out who the fuck I'm gonna show next, like. Because, like, typically what they would do is, like, if it's some someone, like, I guess, quote-unquote, mid-level, mm-hmm. they'll do, like, a, they'll do, like, a five-second of them, but someone who's, like, a higher Hollywood player, mm-hmm. they'd give them, like, 10 or 15-second clip. Yeah, but, like, but I also kind of liked it because I felt like for the people who are more behind the scenes, who maybe don't get that name recognition, like, they got just as much time. It wasn't enough. But, I mean, even if you argue, I, I will argue, even give them 10 seconds as well. Mm. If everyone gets, like, it just felt, like, really, because, like, it felt like if you look down on your phone for, like, three seconds, you're going to miss. Oh, right. But we had to make time for the Eminem performance. Oh, my motherfucking God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Bro. Oh, my God. That was the most confusing shit I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. They had... Elton John there. You could have brought everyone from Almost Famous to do Tiny Dancer, and that would have been ten times better. I think the idea is that he won an Oscar for the song, wasn't there to accept it when he was nominated. And also, listen, we gotta do something to appeal to the youths. Eminem is inspiring the youth culture of America in 2020. Well, that was Billie Eilish, but like Eminem inspired her brother, so we had to we had to throw uh, something in for them. Um, oh, I'm, I'm tired of his fucking Fidel Castro hat and beer combination. Like, I'm tired of this motherfucker. Like, I honestly have been tired of him like forever. Oh, he's not a good man. He's like <laughs> maybe maybe he's straightened out a little bit now, but like I every time I see him, I just think of like. You know, everything that has ever happened about him that, you know, is is something that women are taught to fear just kind of flashes through my head as we're going. And like, oh, I don't. The, the only thing Eminem has cleaned up about himself is the drugs and, you know, you know, he, he cleaned up for drugs. That's well and good. But like, I understand this, this man's still harassing 20-year-old pop stars. He's still making diss records about 20-year-old women, and he's touching 50. Like, yeah. him is, like, three days away. And from listen, him. it's a bad look for Jake Paul. It's a worse look for him. Like, everybody just needs to calm down. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, you know, that was completely necessary. Um obviously uh but you know whatever i thought they did a good job with the musical performances i thought the set was really beautiful a lot of music though it was a lot yeah but like 
I also appreciated that like they didn't truncate any of the songs because like all of the songs that were nominated for best best original song this year were so powerful and I really liked from just looking at it from like a narrative perspective that they gave everyone one of them a moment to exist and to grow into I thought that was kind of kind of cool um you know and like it helps you to appreciate the music a little bit um I don't know that we needed the montage of like there are songs in movies but like <laughs> we needed a vehicle for Eminem I understand Ooh. Eminem's Ugh. the company like the candy also had the most ads on the on the broadcast so like wow, listen I never noticed that. this whole thing this whole thing is just a vehicle for you to buy more candy that melts in your mouth not your hand so <laughs> It's a conspiracy theory. Shane Dawson, call me. I'm not busy. Uh, <laughs> like, oh yeah. So that. Um, in terms of stuff that was slept on, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel that Klaus, even though it was nominated, was super slept on. I'm looking at my my so on my letterbox I I really tried my hardest tracking everything I watched last year not just in like 2019 but like um anything I watched last year that was new to me but mm-hmm. what do you think of uncut gems were you did you ever I, see uncut gems I did not see uncut gems oh, uh, okay so I, I heard it's a little birdie told me and I, I can't say what birdie and I'm not going to get specific, but uh, it's coming to streaming soon. Uh, okay. Like, like probably by the end of March soon. That makes sense. Uh, and I've got a decent home theater set up, so I kind of decided to wait. Uh, yeah, it, you know, there's not a movie you need to see in theaters. Like it's um, it's not like Avengers where like, the ultimate experience is in public mm-hmm. in a theater, but it's and Uncut Gems is really good. Like, so my it made my top. It made, it's like my number four from last mm-hmm. year. So, so basically my top five. Um, <laughs> I on my list I put Avengers Endgame over Knives Out, <laughs> but that's just like the fanboy part. Mm-hmm. But like. If we take that out, like Knives Out is five, Uncut Gems is four, The Farewell is three, Booksmart is two, and Parasite is one. Yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I feel like Weathering with You was super slept on, which I don't know if you've seen, but is an anime film uh, by the same guy who made uh, Your Name, uh, which was like a big, big ol' anime cult classic. Uh, and I thought it had some of the most beautiful animation I've ever seen. And I was a little bit mad that that did not get a Best Animated nomination. Um, I don't really have a top ten list for this year. Um, because I, I really only started seeing movies, like, regularly, regularly in May. And I only started tracking them in, like, August. So yeah. I didn't... I didn't like make a point to track them a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I feel I, like maybe sh- uh, Abominable, the animated film, was super sweet. Uh, the DreamWorks film, I felt like that kind of got slept on. 
because um, it was it was cute. It was sweet. It knew what it was doing, and it did what it did very well. Um, it had a unique animation style. I liked it a lot. I understand that it's also an ad for the People's Republic of China because they subsidized the animation budget. I get it, but it was fine. I liked it a lot. It had good <laughs> Big Hero 6 energy. Where was Jennifer Lopez's nomination for Hustlers? It wasn't a great movie, but she really had earned that nomination. Don't at me. Or do at me. Fight me in the DMs. It's fine. Um <laughs> Ready or Not was probably my, one of my favorite, like, horror comedy, action horror kind of situations. Uh, although Ready or Not and Knives Out, I really feel like kind of both had the same central thesis of rich people are weird. Uh, which, like, <laughs> yeah, but, like, at least Knives Out had something to say about it. I feel like Ready or Not really fell behind in that would regard. What do you think about Us? I really liked it. I also feel that was super snubbed. Uh, I'm super excited for Antebellum coming out this year. Uh, it also looks terrifying. Uh, <laughs> like, like really terrifying. Um, also, as someone who has bunnies, I, 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 I had some concerns about buns. <laughs> no, uh, Lupita, she was... Um... I had her as, like, my leading actress of the year. Like, mm-hmm. she was, like, really good in Us. And the point, like, I think I think Us is a movie, it was, just comparing it to Get Out, like, it was never mm-hmm. going to measure up to Get Out, but um, her performance in it was, was fucking yeah. great. And, and the, the the son in the movie, he was great, too. Yeah. Like, I, I hope he has a, I hope he has I, a career. And if this is out of line, please yell at me, but... I feel like the Academy really has a hard time seeing actors of color outside of slave narratives and going, good! You uh-huh. don't say. You don't yeah, say. Like, uh, I don't I don't know if you saw Harriet. I made a conscious decision to not see Harriet. As because, I did. As did I. Uh, the, the main villain of that movie is a free black man. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, you're fucking right. Oh, no. Oh, no, child. So I didn't even go to the screener for that because I was like, I'm sorry. Nah, bro. This, this, <laughs> this, ain't this yeah. Ain't so like, I'm sure her performance was excellent. Her song performance was excellent. I felt it in my soul. Uh, Lupita was super robbed, uh, as was the entire cast of Parasite. Um, yeah. But like, also Parasite had an amazing night. So like, I don't. I don't know. It bounces out. Like, it. It like. Like I said, I think the the father and it should have been nominated for at least best actor, but he didn't. Like he was even nominated, but the movie won best film, so mm-hmm. it still kind of balances out because now, hopefully, it's going to get people to go back and actually check out um, Bong Joon Ho's like mm-hmm. catalog, and he and he's in the he's like in a lot of his other old stuff too. So, well, I also the- love uh, like Snowpiercer, which he wrote. Um, like, there's a whole bunch of like stories about him telling Harvey Weinstein to shove it up his ass in Korean, <laughs> and the translator like making it sound nicer, um, or like he's like. They, they were like, we're cutting this one scene. It's going to be too expensive to film. And he's like, no, don't. Like, my father was a fisherman. And then as soon as Harvey Weinstein left, he's like, my dad was not a fucking fisherman. Like, <laughs> so, like stuff like that, I really appreciate just as, like, 
lore for this man. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he immediately made his two Oscars smooch, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we stand an iconic queen, um, even if it's a man queen. Oh, no, he make it be queens, too. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, I support that post. Uh, what is... I also support the uncanceling of Johnny Depp that's apparently happening right now. And that's a huge part of the reason that I'm not watching Aquaman. Also, so... is because I don't support Amber Heard. Pretty sure they were both in the wrong, but like, I think it deserves a re-examination. Was he really canceled though, or did he just like pivot from society until he can get back up? Because I don't, my, I don't think anyone really gets canceled. Like, my understanding was that he saw the backlash and was like, "I'm gonna sit this out," yeah, because I don't like I, I basically i'm t- i don't want to do this like he did fantastic beasts because of contractual obligations but like he didn't do anything else and i don't know how much of that was people going like "Ooh, you're like a little uh, or how much of it was him being like hands off like i'm not i'm not doing that but it it seemed bad and somehow the only person we've ever successfully canceled was megan fox and that wasn't even because she was bad it was just because everyone got tired of her i mean that's uh, not really canceling though is it like well, they, i they, mean because everyone cause, like, decided she couldn't act can't she though <laughs> apparently <laughs> like that's the thing right she did the transformers movies and then she did like what was it john the carter jennifer's body yeah and like Everyone was like, well, she's really pretty and she can't act. The end. And she was like, I've been in like four movies. What the hell, guys? Like, nah, that, that doesn't count as canceling. Like, mm. I mean, because even like, I mean, if you think about it, like, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby is not canceled. He just went to fucking jail. And there's people that still want to see fucking Cosby show reruns. Like, yeah. Like, but I mean, I do think there's something to be said for like, yeah. He was a terrible person, right? And, like, it's a complex issue because he also did a lot of good. You know, I have a lot of friends who grew up watching Little Bill, and that was the only place on children's television that they saw a representation of their family. You know, and that was a project that Bill Cosby worked really hard to pioneer. And, like, fuck, bro. That's such a, like, it's a hard legacy to untangle. I mean, for for Bill, like his his whole shit of like being black in the in coming of age and like in the eighties and the nineties and seeing the Huxtables on TV as this mm-hmm. middle class like black family where you know they're supposedly you know on a straight path they're not you know it's not boys in the hood it's not menace to society mm-hmm. like they're not like drug addicts like. They're not gangbangers. They're, like, black people living, you know, fairly easy lives or whatever. But then you re-examine everything Cosby's done, what he said, even beyond, you know, the rape allegations and the the date rape stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. even just his thoughts on, like, just him being mega conservative, him criticizing black people's names, Mm -hmm. him criticizing basically just youth black culture like mm-hmm. all that has had like a lot of damage and so yeah and so yeah it, it, to me like 
if you would have told me even 10 years ago, there'd be no way we wouldn't be having Cosby show reruns from now until my death. Like I would, I would not have believed it, but you know, Cosby has just done a lot of just like Mm -hmm. a lot of regrettable shit that we, I mean, there's a lot of things that we let him slide on, but this instance, I'm very glad we did not. And so, you know, those women deserve justice and it, it, it sucks. It came, you know, decades plus later, but I mean, it's here and, he's probably going to die in prison, which is probably the best thing for all of us. Yeah. So, and I would have never thought I would say that, you know, 10 years ago either. So yeah. shit sucks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of uh, things that are insensitive about race, uh, do we want to talk about Indiana Jones and the temple of doom? Oh boy. Oh boy. This, you know, the funny thing is so, looking at, looking at Looking at the movie itself, and like not, if you just look at the movie and don't try to think about, you know, society at large, like I would, you, I would say it's it's slightly problematic. But mm-hmm. then you, if you think about the movie and everything that it's doing, it's fucking hell problematic. <laughs> like so even, I don't like, think it's throw it out problematic, but I do think it is. Ugh, pretty fucking bad. Now, yeah. before we dive into Temple of Doom proper, I do just want to pu- push one thing that I noticed while watching Raiders, uh, which is John Reese Davies is playing a black guy. Oh my god! I I've not watched Raiders in I've I, watched Raiders for back in at least a decade. So so Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Uh, I believe is playing someone who is meant to be Egyptian. Uh, and he Ooh. is definitely hitting that bronzer a little hard. Uh, <laughs> he's Welsh. <laughs> I just Googled him. He's fucking Welsh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he's a white man. Uh, and his actor, the character's name is Sala. Uh, he is definitely meant to be Egyptian. Um, so I'm gonna start with what I can this is gonna sound like a defense but it is not really a defense it is I think what the production team was probably thinking and I don't agree with it be careful (laughs) so Indiana Jones is a pastiche of like the 20s, 30s, and 40s adventure movies, right? Yeah. And in those movies, they usually cast white people to play not white people. And they weren't yep. super culturally sensitive. Yeah. So I think that they are probably, I don't know if they're parodying or just homaging and if it's homaging it's super problematic and if it's meant as a parody and doesn't land I'm a little less angry but still kind of angry uh that no I don't think I don't think it was a parody because even even if you think about fucking um that movie short circuit where Mm -hmm. the guy from fucking hacker hackers is playing a a Indian an Indian Mm -hmm. man like so I I don't think it's homage I just think it's it's just in this little Spielberg saying, we got this actor, let's bronze his ass up. So Yeah. Yeah. Um I I also think though that like 
at least fucking in Raiders, the people of color, like, Sala's a good guy. Like, <laughs> he's not an asshole. Whereas, like, in this one, every person of color, whether that color is Asian or... in, They're, they're supposed to be Indian, but their society is so clearly based off of Mayan culture, my brain hurts. Um, Bro, like, they, they, they were... I, like, looked at this movie, like, in Civil of Doom, like, they... They tried to shoot in North India and the government refused because it was the script was so insensitive. <laughs> right. And like <sighs> Bro, like it was like voodoo going on in this small right. like <laughs> Yeah, no. So this is like and this is what I mean where I think they basically probably pulled us pulled a plot from a movie from the 30s or 40s changed just the names and were like, yeah, this is good. And like, it's, it's not good. Uh, and like, I don't know if we got to like do a thing like the Tom and Jerry cartoons where we like slap a sticker on it and it's like, this is heckin' racist, but it's representative <laughs> of what the hell was going on in the country at the time. And it was wrong then and it was wrong now. You know, get an introduction by Bob Iger, CEO of the Walt Disney Company, being like, hi, I'm competent daddy Bob Iger. Like, I don't know what we got to do here, but like. Let me show you what's racist, son. This movie right here. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it's like even like just comparing it to Raiders, right? Like. Generally speaking, the Egyptians are friendly. They're not that much different than us. That's kind of a point that the movie makes. You know, John Reese davies is Welsh. He's really not that different from us. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, it's like they they have, you know, you see them eat together. Like, it's a thing, right? Like, it's very much presented as, like, these people are, are Indies equal. Whereas in this one with, like, the fucking, like, monkey brains, like, Jesus Christ. I didn't think that was funny when I was a kid. Like, because I think it's supposed to be that kind of gross out, like, double dare humor. Yeah, and it maybe, just, yeah. But it's, even if that, even if it was a real cultural thing, which, it which wasn't. I don't think it, it is. It wasn't like that. And that's another problem they had because the food that they had in this movie was not like Indian food. Like, yeah. So, like, e but even if it was, it being presented that way is kind of fucking horrible. <laughs> like, you know, imagine if, imagine if they did that with, like, Italian food. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, well, then all the Italians yeah. in the world would be like, the fuck? Like, but, yeah, so it's, it's bad. Uh, from a story perspective... I also think it's the weakest of the originals. Um, That's what people say. That's what people say. So I understand that the initial idea was that each Indiana Jones film was going to cover like a different like B-movie subgenre while still kind of being an adventure-y movie. So the first one is just adventure, adventure. Uh, the next, like this one is meant to be adventure horror. Uh and I believe The Last Crusade initially was supposed to be, like, adventure noir mystery. And then they kind of pivoted because Temple of Doom didn't do as well as they wanted. 
Um, I'm like, listen, I can't defend a lot of the choices in this movie. I can hope that they were made out of ignorance, not malice, <laughs> but I can't, I can't, I can't know that. You know. I mean, I mean, because if you give them, if you give the, if you give the Indian government a script, even before you started shooting, and they say this bad boy here is a whopping pile of racism, and then you pivot to say, well, we'll just shoot in Sri Lanka. That's kind of bad. That is kind yeah, of bad. Yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. Uh. I will say that I think this is peak Harrison Ford. Uh, he acting or looks looks. He looks cuter than a mug in this movie. Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> I um, I would slam him like a screen door. Like I, Jesus, <laughs> like. And that no, that is he's rocking a dad bod in this. And movie. that's that's the one of the things that I love about the Indiana Jones movies is that he's never super in shape. Yeah, like he, he doesn't. Like he's never gonna look like Sylvester Stallone, right? Like I know that, and I am fine with that because he looks like someone who has been in a lot of precarious situations and has enough strength to get him out of them. But that's it. <laughs> like yeah. he he did his one hard thing, and now he needs to take a nap. Like, <laughs> and so by the end of the movie, when he's like beat to shit and like ragged as hell, like you kind of are like, yeah. Makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Uh, also, I hate the girl in this movie. The gender politics in this movie are fucking Bro, oh, that's another problematic thing. Like, she's basically a nag that can't do a goddamn thing. Right. And so, like, I it is infuriating to me that we go, like, let's let's just take a quick a quick look at uh Indiana Jones's women real quick. Uh <laughs> so we've got Marion, who is very competent, very kick-ass. Obviously, it's super tropey that they're like together, but I actually kind of believe their romance. Then we get Billy. Why? Like, all she does is... She's a scream queen, which makes sense if you were leaning into the horror aspect, but they don't lean into it enough that she really makes sense. She kind of still is a very jagged edge in that movie, and I I don't care for it. Um, And I don't care for her. And it is to the point where, like, I remember watching this movie. The last time I watched it, I think I was 10 or 11. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. Because just (laughs) thinking about her stresses me out. Um, so we've got that too. Then we go to Elsa Schneider. Now, granted, Elsa Schneider is a Nazi and a bad person, but she is competent. <laughs> like, she is a competent woman, and we find out later that she's, like, fairly high up the Nazi totem pole. Again, she's a Nazi and a bad person, but she is a competent female character, even if she is a competent female villain. Then we go into four, which is a horrible movie, but really fun to drink to. Uh, and we get uh, Kate Blanchett as, again, evil person who's highly competent. And we get Marion, who is good person, who is highly competent and salty. And I'm pretty sure there's one menopause joke in there, which like, what the fuck, guys? But like, okay, <laughs> fine, I'll take it. Like... So this is really the weak point in this series for women as well. Yeah. Like, I understand that Marion gets kidnapped and a lot of the movie is her just, like, being kidnapped. But she, like, totally pulls the wool over, like, the the guy who has her captive's eyes at one point. Like, she's totally, like, she has agency. 
you know, sure, she's tied to a pole, but she's trying to get out. Whereas I feel like Billy is just like, well, I guess this is it. And it's like, oh, fuck's sake. Like, she, Willie fucking married uh, Spielberg in real life. Oh, so that's why she's in the movie. (laughs) Probably. Probably And I'm not trying to be a salty queen here, but like, that's what that is. Uh, Also, uh, I mean, while we're here, I guess we got to talk about short round. Uh, I mean, because like Spielberg still had, had him doing that accent in fucking Goonies. Uh, Which I've yeah. never seen Goonies. No, Goonies is the fucking best. Uh, I okay, but like, is it also racist as shit? Oh well, he's like I understand <sighs> that Steven Spielberg is prone to this adventure genre where like that he grew up on, and the movies that he grew up on was like people who aren't like us are bad guys. Like I get that fundamentally, but like at least in Indiana Jones 4, they're like, ah, shit, this isn't acceptable anymore. Aliens. Well, well communists me, and aliens. Like, well, let me tell you this. So, and this is a yes or no, or maybe answer for you. So, Short Round's name and Goonies is um, Data. So, is it, <laughs> my question is, an Asian person named Data in a movie, <laughs> is that racist or not? It's close. Oh, answer that. <laughs> it's kind of close. It's a little. It's in the neighborhood of being close. Like he's not doing like a. I mean, I don't. He's still doing the voice of like, you know, Asian people. There's like a history of Asian actors who are actually Asian American actors, but they have to finagle voices to make it feel like they're fresh off the boat, basically, right? Yeah. And so in this movie, he he's clearly doing that. And then the Goonies, he's still pretty much doing that also. But I, I don't think his, his accent was actually ever that in real life. Like he yeah. there was like a Goonies like reunion like a couple of years ago. And he sound Americanized as fuck. So um yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so I guess I guess the question is at which point do do we, you know, go like well, it's like a product of, uh, you know, the times when being outwardly racist was, like, less frowned upon. Because, like, that's kind of bullshit. Like, I've noticed that the Arclight, which is a new theater that we've got up in Boston, is showing 29 days of free movies for February, uh, which they do every leap year. Uh, and they did uh, Raiders, and they're closing the month with uh, whatever the fuck, uh, Last Crusade. Uh, and... Temple of Doom is noticeably absent. Oh. Mm. Uh, and there's a little part of me that's like, is it because they know it's fucked up to show this during Black History Month? Like, <laughs> because, like, the Indian people aren't even Indian. <laughs> They're like, and also, you know, something else I noticed, every, like, um, like, are they, I guess they're, are they Chinese or Japanese? I think they're Chinese. It's but... Shanghai. It starts in Shanghai. Okay. So they're like, why do they have these menacing laugh, laughter when they're shooting Tommy guns? Like, I they mean, have like, the most blood-curdling laughs 
I've ever seen anyone do that. It's supposed to be a Yakuza mutu- like, like idea. But that's not where that is. Like, And like I understand that again it's supposed to be evoking a time when men were men and women were women and whatever the fuck. But like... Asians were Asians. <laughs> yeah, like this, this like weird umbrella they've got is so bad. And like I kind of enjoyed the very end. Partially because I think I knew it was getting close to the very end. Because, uh, like, I do think this movie has really good action set pieces in, I would say, very traditional Indiana Jones style. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, er, you know, I know this is such a dumb question because, like, so much of the Internet is like, well, you're not allowed to, like, like things if they're problematic. But, like, are we allowed to like this? Because generally I mean, speaking, I think it's the weakest Indiana Jones <laughs> film of the three. I'm not counting temp- uh, Crystal Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because, like, nah, fam. Uh, hey, man. To, to answer your question, I mean, people still, like, are killing Chris Brown. Like, it. Like some people don't have a problem with, with like, separating artists art from art. artists. So, yeah. you know, if... I, I personally have kind of a hard time with that that moral conundrum. So, yeah. like, I'm someone who I... The College Dropout is literally, like, one of my favorite albums of all time. But when mm-hmm. Kanye went MAGA, I basically said, I can't listen to him because all that music feels like a lie now. Yeah. And so I know, I know people who still listen to Kanye, even though they don't fuck with MAGA Kanye. So I, I literally was like, all right, all right. If Kanye's gonna go be a MAGA fucktard, pardon my language, I don't pussyfoot around this shit. Uh, I'm picking one Kanye song. What's <laughs> like, your life? Yeah, that's it. Like so until until he publicly renounces this, Stronger's it. <laughs> like, oh. oh, Stronger's your song, your Kanye song? Yeah, it's the one that has the most like nostalgia attachment for me as well. Um, young when that song came out too, wasn't you? I was ten. Oh Probably. my god! Might have been, was, might have been younger actually. Hang on. I was, I was in college doing college things when that song was out. Oh my god! Uh, I also like that it uh, includes uh, 2005. Oh, okay, so I was eight. <laughs> Jesus. <Ooh. laughs> um, but also like that song to me is a great like that was actually my first introduction to Daft Punk. Um, And so that was super formative for me because I'm a huge Daft Punk fan now as like a a young adult person. And like, so that was also to my mind, I don't think Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger is a great song. I think Kanye makes it a great song. Yeah. Um, And it so it also is an introduction to this whole other world that I didn't know. It was also, you know, kind of my first introduction into into Kanye. So when I had to pick something that to me felt quintessentially Kanye, that was just what I pulled. I fuck with that. I fuck with that. I don't think it's it's his strongest, certainly, but it's the one that I'm in the mood for the most. I think, yeah. And since that's I mean, my one song until he either dies or says all of this MAGA shit was performance art, then like... Mm, even then, I think the damage is kind of done on that. 
Yeah, maybe that's a different really podcast, is. but like, uh. the, the damage for me is totally done. Like, because uh, I really do debate like every month if I I should like run his music back. Like, because most of my writing when I write about music, especially in the past, it was either about Kanye or Drake. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like those are basically like the since the turn of the millennium. Like, those are probably the biggest artists mm-hmm. in American music. Um but I don't know man. Like I I I can't kinda I can't it's funny, I can't shake the fuckboyness of Kanye, but mm-hmm. I can sh- I can shake the fuckboyness of Drake because there's a lot of fuckboy Drake music. Yeah. <laughs> so, I do I do worry that Drake seems to have a thing for texting younger girls. Yeah, isn't that girl who's dating like like nineteen now? Yeah, she she they started dating like three days after she turned eighteen. Christ Almighty, Drake is only Drake is only like fucking um three months younger than I am. Right. So imagine me now dating someone four years younger than you. Mm-hmm. Like that's and like he's like texting millie bobby brown all the time and has been since she was a fucking child and like uh... yeah man like that's that's no good looks man that's, also that's like look. i'll be honest whenever i'm in the mood for party all the time or a uh, hotline bling i just listen to fucking party all the time by eddie murphy because it's the same <laughs> song and more fun so like <laughs> Jesus, you are old. How the fuck do you know about party all the time? <laughs> uh, well, I have a joke that I'm the party all the time of people where, uh, like, two people who were both really good at their respective fields came together to try and make something together, and then it turned out kind of weird and, like, kind of cult classic-y, but, like, not what either of them thought it was going to be. So. Yes. That is fucking funny. I, a party all the time reference not made by me at first. I'm, I'm very... I'm very shocked in a positive way. Very shocked. Uh, I first discovered it because I love this show on YouTube called One Hit Wonderland, where they cover uh, like one hit music careers. Yeah. Uh, and someone requested Party All the Time. And he was like, this is kind of complicated because some of his songs did okay, but they were all bad. <laughs> <laughs> they were all bad, yes. Uh He's a song with fucking Michael Jackson with a video for that song is yeah. the most ridiculous Baby's, shit I've ever Baby's seen. Baby's first video shop project. That shit was... Like, you have to keep in mind, like, Prince's Raspberry Beret music video, which is all green screen, had already come out by then, and it looked so much better. Like, and Eddie Murphy was, like, one of the biggest stars in the world at the time. It wasn't like he couldn't afford it. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, so... uh. To sum up, Birds of Prey, pretty okay. I gave it like three stars. I think that feels authentic for me. Gave it three also. Uh, uh, Temple of Doom, hella problematic. Your mileage may vary on this. Uh, (laughs) If you show it to your kids, maybe have a conversation with them. It would be a pretty good way to introduce like that kind of media bias, I feel. You know, if you want to have a conversation with your kids about that, but don't want to show them, like, Fantasia, then, yeah. you know, because that might be a bit young. Uh, this might be a really good movie to talk about that with. 
I feel. Uh, but I feel like if you don't let your talk to your kids about this, it's going to turn into savages from Pocahontas all up in this bitch. And we don't got time for that. Um, <laughs> we need more empathy, not less empathy. Uh, so, you know, be nice to people, you fuckers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, honestly. Uh, and I think the Oscars went pretty okay. It did. I was I I would literally not have watched the Oscars and been thoroughly enjoy like when a single person wins multiple awards. Mm-hmm. So I was I was very impressed. Uh, and I won the Oscar ballot in my family, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> How many did you get right? Uh, thirteen. All right, that's not bad. That's not bad. No, but like I did a thing where like I got a uh, best sound editor or sound editing and sound mixing. Like, Bro, what's I had the 1917 for one and Ford and Ferrari for the other one, and they were the opposite. What's what's the difference between those awards? I, I've never known the difference in that. So I believe sound editing is, like, the stuff that was made for, like, the compilation of stuff, whereas sound mixing is how things sound in the movie. You You said the same thing. The same thing. <laughs> the compiling of sounds is not the same as how they sound. Make it make sense. <laughs> um. Okay. One. One is build. Like one is a toolbox, and one okay. is how you use the tools. So which one is which? So I believe that sound editing is the toolbox. Okay. And sound mixing is how you use the tools. Okay. <laughs> I think shit. I might be totally wrong. <laughs> like that's based off of my research. So uh yeah. Damn. Um movies. We'll go with that now. We'll go with that. Um also I never asked you, so mm. I so I feel confident saying Birds of Prey is probably one of the best. Even if it's a three out of five movie, it's still one of the best DC movies. Yeah. Um, do you have hope for Wonder Woman 84 being good? or? Yeah, or- I do. I have hope. I wouldn't say that I have, like, faith, but I got hope. <laughs> um, I thought the first Wonder Woman was really excellent. Um, yeah, I did. And uh, I, I really want more of that energy. Uh, I'll be interested to see what they do with Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. Uh, any any more Chris Pine is always a win for me. So like, where is he in your Christopher Power rankings? Okay. Um, oh, that's a really good question. Heaven's uh, got to be number one. Yeah. Just oh, sweater and knives out alone. Yeah. I've also had a crush on him since Rise of the Silver Surfer. Holy shit. <laughs> well, probably actually the first Fantastic Four. Whichever, yeah, that one came out when I was like, I think, seven. Golly. Uh, hang on. Asking for me. Uh, yeah, so... 2005, yeah, so I was seven or eight. Um, so, like, I've I've had a I've had a soft spot in my heart for him for a while. He's also from Sudbury, Massachusetts, which is about twenty minutes from where I live. So, like, he's got a little hometown hero energy going for him too. Um, so he's number one. 
Chris Pine might be number two. Yeah, don't put um the doughy one. He's got to be the Pratt. Doughy yeah, Pratt. Pratt's Pratt's a MAGA, right? Uh, I don't know if he's a MAGA, but he's definitely like anti-gay and like a bunch of other weird shit. So like, nah, that he's. He Star Lord is one of my favorite characters, but he in the Chris Hotness pantheon is pretty close to the bottom. Uh, the only other Chris that I would like, I I, I like Hemsworth a lot. I liked him better in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek than I usually do as Thor. <laughs> Nothing personal. I just don't like the Thor character very much. Damn, I think you're I the first don't. person to ever say that. Um, he's great in Ragnarok. I really liked Ragnarok. Um, but that was like the first time I was like, okay, like finally we're doing something here. And like, I'm a Shakespeare kid, by the way. So it's not like the period drama shit that is like not appealing to me. It's, it's just the way Thor was handled. Like I didn't need this weird history documentary with Kat Dennings feel. I I don't need that. (laughs) I don't got time for that. Um, What other Chris's are there? I think those in Hollywood, I think those are the four. Those yeah. Are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the thing where they had Chris Chris Pine do the, like, fuck, Mary kill for the three Chris's. But then he goes, <laughs> what if I marry all of them and then become the richest man alive after they all tragically die? And I was like, me, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is Chris Pine me? Uh, uh, feel a little added by this relatable content. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's about where we're that at on that. Good shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we never. What do we want to call this thing? By the way, I don't know. But the way that I just went movies. I feel like kind of is it, but like I don't know how we articulate that. Uh, movies. Movies and shit. I don't know. I'm racking my brain. I have no clue. Uh, I don't know. I need to see if we can like. Should like fuck around with like something with either our names or a cool acronym so that we can logo that easily. Marcus and Cat. Fuck. I don't know. We don't have to decide right now. When do we want to put this out? Like by the end of the week? Uh, Probably, yeah. All right. Do you want to try and brainstorm and we can confirm at some point tomorrow? Sure. I'm good with that, yes. All right, cool. Oh, oh, before you go, what's something you're... What's something you're looking forward to for this year? Whether it's like movies or TV. What are you looking yeah. forward to? Hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman 84. Um, which, you know, whatever. Make of that what you will. Uh, I'm weirdly excited for Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, <laughs> like, mostly because I like to I like to hurt. Um, you like to hurt? <laughs> Like, it's not going to be good, all right? It's not going to be good. I know this. Uh, Also, please know that 
Rotten Tomatoes lists Doolittle as one of the most anticipated movies of 2020. Uh, I'm excited for... I want to see Tenet. It comes out like the day after my birthday or the day before my birthday. I'm excited for... Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. In the Heights. Uh... Yeah, I'm excited for In the Heights. Uh, Gentleman was super good. I feel like people are sleeping on Gentleman, and I'm a little mad about that. Uh, what yeah. About, what about uh, Marvel's Eternals? Eh. Oof. I'm more excited for the TV stuff than I am the movie stuff. Really? Yep. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that the the new Captain America Falcon shit's gonna move me really. No, I, I do. I do want to see the, the Scarlet Witch show. Yeah. That show looks interesting as fuck. I do want to. Yeah, see that. that's what I'm excited about. And then Loki coming later. I don't know if it's coming either late this year or early next year, but I'm also excited for the Loki show. Fuck. Oh shit. Well, that's all I got, girlfriend. That's all. That I was got. fun. It was, man. It fucking was. We should do this again sometime. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's the title of the pod. We should do this again. Do this again <laughs> sometime. I kind of like that. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, I'm Cat. I'm this has been Marcus, and we should do this again sometime. What up? Yeah. We need some, like, cute playoff music. I don't know. I'll, I'll find some, like, death metal or something. I don't know. Yeah, I support that. <laughs> I'm about it. <laughs> Ah, shit. All right. I'm gonna... This podcast stars Catherine Chinetti and Marcus Robinson. It is executive produced by Kellen Colling and Eric Greenling under Hyphen Podcast Group in conjunction with It's Like a Podcast or Whatever. It is produced and written by Catherine Chinetti and Marcus Robinson. This is a Hyphen Podcast Group production. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime.